Our scripture for this morning is 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, the first 10 verses. Please follow along as I read. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Morning. Just to let you know, if you have someone in that uh, third grade and below, I'm mindful they're going to be in service and in the sermon. Um, so you'll notice a little bit of a shift in terms of length and how I present a little bit because we just determined as a staff that that was going to be best to take July break. And so I'm I'm mindful of that. So just don't panic if you're thinking, how am I going to have my job? We got you covered. Okay. Let's open, if you got your Bibles, open to first, second Corinthians chapter 12. I, um, two or three years ago, I took this strength finder test. It's one of these barrage of tests you can take uh, out there to find your strengths. And, um, it was interesting. I really, I gleaned a lot out of it. I got a lot, I got a lot from it. Um, but as I was looking through like concurrent books to read with this, there are, a bazillion books out there on sort of maximizing your strengths, do what you're good at, all this kind of stuff. And it wouldn't fit too well with our passage today. There's not, not any books called maximizing your weakness, like play into your weakness, like get a job that sort of your weakest part, you know, be your weakest self. That's, you're not, you're not going to find that. And, um, we'll go back because what I learned from this plays very much into what I've gleaned from this scripture, all the books you'll find are overcoming your weaknesses, minimizing your weaknesses. But Paul says, no, my weakness somehow is Christ's tool. And in that, I'm strong. Because, you know, this, the Scripture, if you, you read the Bible and familiar with, with these things, it's familiar to you. When I am weak, I am strong. Well, can I tell you, when, when I feel weak, when I'm weak, I feel weak. I'm just telling you, when I am weak, I, that's what I feel. I feel very weak. 
And uh, whether it's physical suffering or whether it's, um, you know, any kind of weakness, I just feel weak. But the Bible doesn't say when you're weak, you're going to feel strong. It says when you're weak, you are strong. Hmm. What is that about? I don't feel, when I'm sad, I don't feel happy. When I'm raging with anger, I don't feel calm. But somehow when I'm weak, I feel strong. And then, to blow my theology completely up, it says, oh, I've got this thorn in the flesh. Paul, a messenger of Satan, and it says he prays three times to have it taken away. And this word for prayer may be a word that you've heard before. It's parakaleo. It's the word paraclete, the same derivative we get Holy Spirit from. It's It means an impassioned, like, legal counsel, legal pleading, like a, a, an experienced lawyer would plead before a judge. I pleaded Paul three times. So this this is not like, take it away, take it away, take it away. This was three probably separate, maybe fasting, and this is Paul. This is a guy who literally kind of wrote the book on prayer. Three times he prays, and finally the Lord speaks to him, and he hears the voice of the Lord after, Lord, take this miserable messenger of Satan away from me, and the the word of the Lord comes, no. My theology just goes... Because my answer would be, yes, you have prayed this, you know, you have cast him out, you have done what, he's gone. No, he says, I have a higher purpose for you. You're going to see my grace. You're going to walk in my grace in your weakness. Wow. I prefer to just go right to James 5, the effectual fervent fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah had a nature like me, prayed it didn't rain, and it didn't rain. Those are the kind of prayers, I, that's the answers I like, right? We don't like that, or I don't like that. My grace is sufficient in your weakness. Now, to understand this, to, to, to sort of get, we've got to work backward a little bit here. We've got to go back into Second Corinthians, take a little bit of a running start, and into chapter 11. Remember what Paul's been saying throughout this letter Just because the circumstances of my life, I'm going through such difficulty, it doesn't make me a lesser apostle. Remember, there are these apostles here in Corinth, while Paul is away at another place, who have considered themselves super apostles. We've been looking at this. They say things like, a real man of God, man, he can preach up a storm. He can persuade people, uh, like me. A real man of God gets endorsements and letters of recommendation from other super apostles, like me. A real man of God, he has these ecstatic experiences, he has these huge miraculous ministries, like me. Don't listen to Paul, listen to me. And Paul has been pleading with them because at the same time they've been giving a message which is not the gospel. They've been saying, look, I I tell you, this is the kind of message. This is the kind of Jesus that's real. And Paul says, no, no, no. Sorry, this thing is giving me a little bit of an issue. So when I, I was a salesman for eight years right out of college, don't hate me, but I, I was one of those. I didn't, not like a phone salesman. I, you know, I was, went to purchasing agents and was selling things. And one of the very first lessons they teach you in sales is you sell the sizzle, not the steak. 
which I didn't really know exactly what that meant, but you learn over time that you sell the benefits of something, you don't sell the features of something. So, for instance, you don't, nobody really cares or knows what it means, like if your shampoo is pH balance or has the, you know, oxidant emulsifiers, you know, you just, you don't care. What you care is you have luxuriant great hair, right? Right? I, <laughs> this is what you care about. Or, or really what you care about is that that special someone thinks you have luxuriant hair. So, of course, the commercials, and that's what they sell, is the benefits, right? What it speaks to. That's what sells. You sell, um, they say people buy what they want, not what they need, right? So figure out what they want, and you market that. And that's exactly what these apostles have been doing. They had figured out, these super apostles in Corinth, they figured out, the felt needs of people, and they marketed Jesus to be that. How do I get that? Where am I getting that from? We'll go to one chapter back to chapter 11. He says in verse 3, I'm afraid that the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning. Your thoughts are being led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Verse 4 of chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you just put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I'm not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Okay, so he says, another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. You're leaving the relationship. See, he says, what you need to grasp onto is the substance and the person of Christ, not the benefits Christ brings you. Now, does Christ bring us benefits? Of course he does. But we can easily be led astray if we seek the benefits. If you marry someone based on what they can do for you, right, you'll quickly be disappointed, right? We don't, we don't come into a relationship with Jesus because of what he can do for us. Because of who he is. We can't live. He created us to be in relationship with him. So then Paul begins to do what I can only see when I read this in chapter 11 and 12 is something resembling what the Hulk did when, you know, the Hulk, when he gets so angry and he doesn't want to become that big green monster, but he's like, you're making me angry, and all of a sudden he, he doesn't, you know, he just, this is what Paul, you're making me brag. It's sort of what it sounds like. He says, you're, you're forcing me to do this. I don't even want to. Uh, to chapter 12, verse 11 of 2 Corinthians, I've been a fool. You forced me to do it. What does he do? He says, look, I'm, I am that guy. I'm the real deal of an apostle. And he does it in three areas. In chapter 11, he starts to sell himself, in a sense. Not because he is like those super apostles, but because he is trying to tell them that they've been deceived and because he loves them like a father loves a child he's revealing a bit of his own experiences even though he doesn't want to and this is all leading us back to why this thorn in the flesh was given to him so he says in the in a, going back to chapter 11 again he says and he starts with his lineage who he is so he says in verse 22 
Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abram? So am I. I've got the creds, he says, of my heritage. Then he goes on to his performance. Are they servants of Christ? I'm better one. Who says that, right? I'm a better, I'm a better servant of Christ than you are. But it was true. He says, I'm, I'm talking like a madman. That's why I say there's a Hulk thing going on. I don't even want to be saying this, but you forced me to do this because you're trusting in these people who are false teachers. I'm, um, I had far greater labors, imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death, five times at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, three times beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked. It's like he's, you know, it's like he's got his resume, but it's a resume of like all the suffering he goes through. Right, And then he finishes up by saying, I, I, I know I'm boasting, but what I'm really going to boast about is my weaknesses. Because his performance wasn't all the people that came to Christ through him, though many did. All the churches he set up, his resume was all that he suffered. And then talks about the humiliation of being put down in a basket outside the walls of the city and escaping a crowd that was going to kill him. And then the third part, after his lineage and after his performance in suffering, is this vision in Revelation, verse 1 of chapter 12. I'll go on. Even though there's nothing to be gained, I'm going to go on. I've sort of uh, become the Hulk, so I'm going to finish. I know, a, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third person. You know it's serious when someone refers to themselves in the third person. Tim McGowan is aware that this is serious stuff. When you say, I know a man, this is Paul talking about himself, but it was such an almost out-of-body, otherworldly kind of experience. He says, I, I, it wasn't even like I was doing it. I just, it was something from the Lord. Who knows what the third heaven is? We, I mean, people speculate, but he was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't even know. God knows. I heard things that can't even be told, which I can't even utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weakness. So lineage, performance as an apostle, this incredible experience. And he says, now, because I have the credentials to be listened to, here's what I'm going to tell you. All these things that I've just told you that make me this guy, you know what they produced in me or wanted to? Conceit. Read with me. He says, verse 7, so to keep me from becoming conceited, and then the word there is to exalt myself, to lift myself up, because of the surpassing greatness, especially these revelations he got, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. We don't know exactly. People speculate it's a physical malady or weakness. We don't know exactly, but we know it was something in his flesh and it was something that was terribly difficult. Now, I don't know if all of us get a thorn in the flesh or not. The Bible doesn't say, but I can well imagine many of you do. Partly because God's invested in many of you so much. But I do know that all of us are in a position that as Christians we need to stand against the culture that tells us that hide your weaknesses, put them down, put them away, try to 
get have no weakness show and only operate out of your strength, strength, strength. Now, should we get better at stuff? Of course. If you're weak in an area, should you try to improve it? Of course. It's not like we give up. But I can tell you that there are things in the way God has wired me that are, are weaknesses. They're, they just are. It's not sin. This is not something, well, I'm just a, you know, just an angry man. No, you're a sinner. Just what you, what you may think is your personality probably is sin. Okay? Just, so it's not sin. That's not what he's talking about. This is a physical affliction. This is something that is, um, uh, either from a, um, something just the way you're wired, you're hardwired, or physically there. And that Paul asked that it be taken away. It was, it seemed to be something that was hindering him. And Paul says, please, take it away. And the Lord says, no. And he said, this is quite interesting. Please, this is one of the few times when it's a direct quote from Jesus. This isn't, uh, you know, and the Lord said, no, I'm not going to take it away. Listen to, listen to how he phrases this. But he, Jesus, or the Lord said to me, my, quote, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It was a direct word from the Lord to him. And Paul evidently needed a very direct word. Therefore, I will boast, or I will lift up all the more gladly my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I become content with my weaknesses. And then he, he lists some other things that maybe were thorns to him. Insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For me, I'll just tell you one of the ways it manifests itself. I don't know how it's going to do for you, but you know, God called me to be a church planter 15 years ago. Here are the, what they say. I, I look back at one of the early books I had to do as part of the process to become a church planter. Here were three characteristics that uh, they said church planters must have. Risk taker, change embracer, one who rushes with joy toward the future. <laughs> Let me read to you from my strengths test assessment. Tim, this is from the computer who calls me by name because it's so friendly, the strength tester. You are one who looks back. No lie. You look back because you think that is where the answers lie. These are supposed to be strengths, by the way. You look back to understand the present. From your vantage point, the present is unstable. The future fearful. A confusing clamor of competing voices. It is only by casting your mind backwards to an earlier time, a time when the plans were being drawn up, that you find and regain your stability. Find any weakness in that? <laughs> Chosen professions for one who has my temperament and my gifting, number one, archaeologist. <laughs> no lie. Now, people need Christian archaeologists. No slam if you're thinking of that as a thing. I have never seen a church planter board say, Either archaeologist or church planter. Choose. Never. I've, I've, con you know, I've confessed to you before, I stand up here week after week, and in much of my life I stand up out of my weakness. Because I'm not the guy who, I, I know guys who are the guy who raise the flag and say, this way, guys, let's take San Juan Hill and follow me. I'm the guy who wants to be like, you know, fourth lieutenant and say, Bob, lead us up that hill. I'm right behind you. I got your back. 
And in my weakness, God's called me to do something of which I'm completely unfit in the world. Now, some of you say, oh, Tim, you're a perfect fit. What you're seeing is the power of the Holy Spirit. What you're seeing is God, because I don't want to be doing this. I do because I love Jesus. Do you get that? It's not that I don't want to be doing this like I'm hating and being my son. Y'all are forcing me to be your pastor. I don't think any of you have forced me to do that. But, but this is not how I'm wired. It is a weakness. And I get up, and many mornings I get up, and I, 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 but you know what it does? I get up and I fall immediately to my knees. Because there are mornings when I have to do things that I, I have to be in my weakness. This verse means a lot to me because he says, My grace, Tim, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Maybe you don't feel like, man, I, I don't know how to be a parent or a grandparent or a counselor or a business leader or a, or a mentor or an obedient son or daughter or a loving wife. I don't know how to do that. I'm not even wired for that. Because guess what? Our wiring without Jesus is to live for ourselves and be selfish anyway. And I don't know what your thorn in the flesh is, or even if you have one, I wouldn't say, but I know that God calls people who will fall on their knees in weakness and say, Lord Jesus, would you live through me? Because I can't do this without you. And for Paul, suffering as he did, this is the way life has to be lived. And I just I invite you to burn your books that tell you only play to your fleshly human strengths. Now, fleshly human strengths are good things in the sense of if you if they obey Christ. But I am afraid that sometimes we depend on those things, and if we do, you won't see the power of God manifest. You'll see the power of Fred manifest. Or you'll see the power of Liz manifest. And we'll say, praise Fred. Praise Liz. And we all know in the Christian world, in the secular world, and whatever, we lift up and we see able people who are doing their strengths. And the, the difficulty is, is that, may, that we may give lip service to Jesus, but we really see them. Now, should I'm not saying go find a job for which you're completely unsuited. All right? Because God has wired into me certain gifts that suit very well this calling, but they're not the ones you might think. I spent eight years going door to door, well, kind of, I mean, in businesses, not to houses, selling, right? I told you that when I started. And I didn't know, but every time I hit rejection, every time I tried to market what I was selling, it was preparation for what I'm doing right now. I'm not selling Jesus, but I've learned how to operate through rejection. I've learned how to operate and get myself up every morning and out the door because I don't have a time clock to punch. I'm, I'm wired in certain ways. I didn't know it, but when I grew up in a going to church in an elementary school that set up chairs every week, from the time I was seven years old, I never knew a church building. I've... I don't think I've ever, until I was in seminary, I don't think I ever went to a building that had a church, that had a building. I didn't know that that was preparing me to be in a 1930s gym with balls on the scene. And, you know, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. God is preparing you to walk in the weakness 
to show His strength. Now, some of you all are saying, well, I, I, I just don't even know what that looks like. Well, let me tell you two things. This is contingent. This is a contingent promise. You're not weak when you're strong if you don't have Jesus Christ. For Paul, this was all about having Jesus Christ. Don't make the assumption that this is some Eastern, oh, you know, grasshopper, take the weakness from my hand and you'll be strong. This is nothing like that. This is about the objective power of the Holy Spirit who is real, coming and filling a human body, mind, and spirit with power to do what you in your own flesh are ill-equipped to do. So, don't make the assumption that just because you know, you're weak, you're automatically strong. He is strong. We read from that psalm this morning, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have drawn praise from babes and infants. People who don't know how to praise You, You are drawing strength from people who depend on You. So it's not just knowing Jesus, it's actively depending on Him. Do any of y'all feel like you operate out of your weakness sometimes and you don't know what the heck you're doing? Come to 2 Corinthians 12. Come with me and live out of that. Live on your knees. Live saying, Lord, okay, another day when I'm not sure what to do, but another day when I need you. Three takeaways, just some of these are reiterations, but let me just, if you're taking notes, let me give you three things. Paul heard Jesus say, I don't know if it was an audible voice or just an inner voice, doesn't say, but he heard a direct word from the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made power in weakness. When you're really weak, and I'm not saying you're just tired, I'm saying you are at the point of pleading three times of, going through, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And you're just at the end. You need to hear the Word of the Lord. Not just, you can do it. Because you know what my, my flesh says? They, oh, you can do it. No, I can't. My no, you can'ts are louder than my friend's yes, as you can. It is only the Word of the Lord saying, I have empowered you to do what you're called to do when you can't. That's what got Paul, I believe, to finish strong. Second, and I said this before, is that go to your knees over and over and over again. Every time the flesh is so pierced by that thorn, confess your weakness. Isn't it amazing that Moses, the stutterer, became the voice of God in Israel. How unsuitable he is. Would we elect a stutterer for our leader? I hope, I hope that we would if they were a godly person. Peter, the impulsive man-child becoming the rock of the church. How unlikely. And the third thing I would encourage you is there are times when I am weakest, truly weakest, is when God has come in and begun to do some work and I start helping Him out with my strengths. I don't know how that happens, but it happens over and over. Is that God will begin to do something 
And I'll look and I'll see, you know, in the life of this church or, or in my family's life or my children's life, I'll say, we've made progress. I got it, God. Just whole step, step back. I got it. All right. Now, because you're playing into my strength and I start to take over, and it is, I mean, I am, I can't tell you how many things I've ruined by having better ideas than God. When you see your weakness, I know it's hard, but when you're in that moment, thank God for those things. Be wise and exalt in the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for giving me this weakness because it tells me I need you. Oh, how we need you. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, how unsuitable I am in my own strength for this task and so many others. Lord, I look at people around me who seem so much more suited for things, and yet I know that we all operate in many things out of places we don't feel equipped for. And many of us operate with thorns in our flesh, physical maladies or hardships that make life daily difficult. Lord, You have said that this life isn't about our happiness and our having no problems and no hardships. You have said that this life is about seeing the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in our lives, in our families, in our church, and ultimately in our world through us. And so I pray, Lord, that You would give us the grace to hear the Word of the Lord as Paul did. Hear You say to us, My grace is sufficient for You. My strength is made perfect. Perfect. In your weakness, not in our strengths. So Lord, we're complex people with both strengths and weaknesses. Help us to be appreciative of our strengths, but to embrace our weaknesses. To love them because it helps us to know and love you more. I would invite you to take one more minute of silence to just consider your weaknesses. Consider the areas in which you feel burdened, in which you feel that you can't measure up. And take a minute to thank God and to hear His Word that when you're weak and dependent on Jesus, then you truly are strong. Jesus, we exalt You. We lift You up, not ourselves. Father, when we're tempted to conceit, we thank You for drawing us back to Yourself that You love us enough to even cause us some pain so that we would know how much we need You.